His stage name is DJ Drunken Housewife. We've covered the first 20 seconds of the movie. K-Car. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. The set decorator for Raw Deal was Otho from Beetlejuice. Yeah, it said shit. Pepperoni in the 9mm bullets. Tropetastic. The runtime of this film is half of the episode. There's something in every scene for everyone. Harry. 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 It's, it's, uh, Broadcasting live from inside the power band, this is The Blah. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm your host, The Wolverine, along with Jarhigo. Hey, what's up? And C-Lab Forever. What's up? How you guys doing? Doing great, C-Lab Forever and Jarhigo. Fantastic. Folks, this week on our intrepid podcast, we're going to be covering one of the most ultimate movies of all time, the 1986 classic Arnold Schwarzenegger epic, Raw Deal. (laughs) I don't know about epic. Well, it was pretty epic. (laughs) In a bad way. (laughs) It was a pretty horrifying and hilarious film. It's... So epic because it's so terrible, because it's so great, because it's so wooden. My God, what uh, what made you choose this one? Probably everything you just said, but pretty much everything I just said. I mean, when we're talking about old movies that are sort of terrible and great at the same time, that were definitely you know something we uh, I always fed from. This was definitely in the list. Not only not only that, but this is an earlier Arnold film. It's also like definitely one of his most obscure movies. Like when people talk about Schwarzenegger, no, nobody's like, oh, dude, remember Raw Deal? Like nobody remembers Raw Deal. <laughs> so, I've never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of his least popular movies. For for pretty good reason, I find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For a good reason, man. But it's so damn 80s, man. You know, the cars and... It's pretty 80s. There's just so many awful things in here and, and some proto-tropes in here. And, you oh, know, my like, God. Oh, my God. Are right, ever. Jarhigo? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I hope we, need to, we need to have like a little sort of uh, Jarhigo's proto-tropes corner where he <laughs> sort of dives into all of them, man. Yeah, there's, there's a few in here. Some, some 80s trope goodness going on. And just basically some Arnie trope goodness going on. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. For the folks at home, a little pedigree information about this movie. It was released June 86, a budget of $12 million, yielded them a box office of $16 million. So they made a couple of quarters on this movie. Made a couple of fazools. Yeah, they made a couple of fazools. That's right, Jaigo. It's, um, as I wrote in my notes... Arnold's most wooden performance ever and in delivery of dialogue and just everything about what he's doing, which is part of what makes it awesome. Fortunately for Arnold, he is buoyed by a great director who went on to do many, many films, (laughs) a few other questionable ones, but many other films, some good ones too. (laughs) And then also he's buoyed by... Uh, really an intrepid cast of some really great actors. <laughs> so 
that's also what makes this movie so great. But you know, you know what really makes this movie great is like how well cast Arnie is. Because I can't think of a better person to join the mafia than a seventeen foot tall, four foot wide <laughs> Austrian man. What are you talking about, man? He's he's completely inconspicuous. I love how he. I love how it's not even about him being in the mafia. It's him starting off as a small town sheriff and then joining the mafia. No, it's even better than that. He starts off at, that we don't see as an FBI agent who gets demoted to a small town sheriff and then joins the mafia. The funniest thing about this is we could go on and on and on about how ridiculous it is that he is impersonating like a federal agent, but then he went on to be the goddamn governor of California. So. Fair play to him. I know, man. There you go. I know. That's that's the thing that's so great about Arnold, man. You know? Before we get out of say there's the working title for the film initially was Triple Identity. Hey. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> wow. Where did you find that little nugget of gold? Oh, I've, I've been trying to mine some things here and there. I'm not sure where I found that one. Yeah, wow. Triple identity? Jesus, man. That's a Yeah. That was that's even more 80s of a name. It is more 80s of a name and it's like it's such a mouthful, my god, man. <laughs> yes, it is. Before I opened up uh IMDb, I would have guessed this was like his film debut, but like The Terminator and Commando happened before this, which is crazy to me. And Conan for Christ's sake. Wait a second. Yeah. What? Yeah. He apparently did this one to get out of like, uh, he had like a three movie deal with uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, okay. And uh, he wanted to get out of that. So he did this. And uh, like, I think at one point, Dino De Laurentiis also had uh, Total Recall, which Arnie wanted to do, but they had, I think, Dennis Quaid slated to play the role or whatever. But the long and short of it is they just kind of like uh, sandwiched Arnie into this movie to, to get his contract fulfilled or whatever. Right. Wow. Yeah. That makes a little that bit more sense. Is... Cause... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. I could, I just see him getting, you know, Terminator and Conan and, like, really becoming a star and just being like, this is perfect for me. <laughs> you know, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point in his career, I don't think he quite had the... <laughs> oh, my God. The, you know, I mean, I don't know how wide of a range Arnie has ever had, but he definitely got more range the longer he went on. And at this point in his career, he, he wasn't quite there yet. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So, so for the folks at home that aren't uh, following along on the internet, he did um, before this epic masterpiece. Of course, the original was Hercules in New York, then Pumping Iron, then of course the now epic John Milius directed Conan the Barbarian. And then followed that right up with Conan the Destroyer, <laughs> which destroyed the entire Conan saga. In one fell swoop, <laughs> then the Terminator, then Commando, then Raw Deal. So, yeah, you're you're right. It, it's I mean, now looking at this, thinking about it, it's like, how is he so woody in this movie when he'd done all these other films? Yeah, he's you got Conan, Terminator, and then immediately following and Commando, and immediately following Raw Deal, you got Predator and Running Man. So, like, it's right in the middle of some of his most well known stuff. Yeah, it, absolutely, man. Oh, let's not forget Red Heat with Jim Belushi <laughs> in Twins. <laughs> I'm your twin brother, Julius. Oh, my God, Twins. Oh, uh, wow. 
right? I love nuke food. I, <laughs> oh man oh my god okay so we've clearly just dove right in dived doved right into this movie straight in straight in i mean there's no other way to do it man especially when a move with a movie like this you, do we want to kind of pick it apart sort of point by point as i love to do with a pair of golden tweezers or you just want to bounce around <laughs> i don't know yeah go for it i would like to point out again more pedigree information uh, the director was John Irvin, and he was an English chap, and he directed this movie. And these are in succession, I might add. This, Hamburger Hill, and then the Patrick Swayze epic that I really hope we end up doing on this podcast, Next of Kin. Ooh. Uh, those are three of the films that he did. Then he went on to do like many, many other films that were far better than this movie or really <laughs> next of kin as well. Hamburger Hill was actually a really good movie. And a, a lot of people always throw that into the pile when you're talking about like kind of 80s, 90s Vietnam movies, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. You were talking about the movie, the cast. Where do you guys want to, how do you guys want to attack this uh, giant steak of a horrible movie? I reckon the two of you guys take the lead on this one. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get straight into the grisly end of this uh, this slab. <laughs> it's a slab of meat, man. This movie is a slab of meat as big as Schwarzenegger himself. It really is. It really is, and probably about as tough and chewy as <laughs> <might be. laughs> so I imagine Arnold might be. Uh, <laughs> oh my dear! Truer words have never been spoken by Jarhigo, folks. Yeah. So I don't know that I've ever seen this movie before. Can you believe that? No, I that's think amazing. I, Are you serious? I had it con- I had it confused, I think, with uh, Red Heat for some reason initially. And I'm sure I must have seen it. I mean, I can't imagine that I haven't seen it. But I think I've only seen it maybe once. And uh, because I, you know, like this thing starts off and, um, you know, once we get past the, uh, the whole scene where they, uh, you know, where the mafia guys come in and assassinate the witness. Sure. We have a, uh, a chase where <laughs> <laughs> Arnie is chasing a dude on a fully dressed dirt bike. Now, wait a minute. We got to pause here because this is one of my favorite tropes from like 70s, 80s films. It was all over chips. Yes. Anytime. Anytime one of those fully dressed like police motorcycles with like the side bags and the full front fairing and all that shit, they always tried to dress up a fucking dirt bike. Yes. <laughs> like, like you're supposed to buy it, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like it's a real fucking thing. Oh, my God. And so he's chasing him and the theme music is... Oh God! Who was? Oh, it was Ricky Skaggs, One Way Rider. Get the hell out of here! I used to be a wow big Ricky Skaggs fan when I was a little kid. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> it was like my one country crossover for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but um, yeah. Well, I can see why. It's got like a nice, like it moves. You know, it's got a nice rhythm to it, man. It, it's it cooks along there. You know, 
Yeah, sure. That song does. Yeah. And and just, you know, Ricky Skaggs at large. I, I used to like Ricky Skaggs, but um, I didn't remember that scene at all, which makes me think that I haven't seen the movie because had I, I surely would have remembered all of that. Right. Yeah. And Ricky Skaggs. Right. You would you would think one would think. Right. So this just could very well be my first my first viewing. This is an important thing to talk about because there's a whole nother part of this story. Ben, do you want to tell the story about the DVD I gave you or do you want me to tell it? (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why you haven't seen it. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. This is a perfect segue. Somewhat Uh, of a you want to tell it, Ben? Go ahead, Kev. Go ahead. And I'll okay. chime in as as uh, as needed. Okay, as needed. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Correct me if if you remember anything. That I'm I was there, there too. I was there too. So, uh, folks, back in um, I really don't know when it was. <laughs> it was like probably seven years ago at this point. Somewhere in the two thousands. Yeah, somewhere in the two thousands. At one point, I had decided that a nice birthday present for Jarhiga would be to give him a copy, a DVD copy of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in this very film, Broad Deal. And I did that very thing. I bought it on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) I gave Jarhiga the uh, copy of the film. And um, maybe week tops, a couple days after I gave it to him, I was like, um, like, hey, do you mind if I borrow that, man? I, I just... I'd love to watch it. It's such a such a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> he he said yes, and I have still yet to give him that DVD back. In fact, it is in my home now. I have since moved away from Jarhigo. You watched it in prep for the show. And I I not only did I I <laughs> I didn't watch his DVD in prep for the show. I actually bought my own copy. I found a cheap copy of digitally online. But uh, that's that's probably a huge reason why he's never seen this movie. <laughs> that's the story. Well, that it certainly didn't help. <laughs> oh Kev, that was. God. I just wanted to thank you because that was a very nice gift that you got for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, I'm I'm really sorry about that, man. It was that was probably hey, it's one okay, of the man. I I had completely forgotten about it, anyways. You know, it's like you you upon upon your taking of the DVD, it was as if you took it from my mind completely, and I just didn't remember that I had it. You know, well, I mean, look, don't make excuses for old Moldy here, Jarhigo. Was- I'm only testifying to my own shitty memory. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks, it's easy to pull one over on old Jarhigo. <laughs> That's right, folks. That was probably a low point in my time on this planet as a human being. <laughs> Is robbing you. Not not taking the DVD. I mean, that was, you know, pretty... Um, that that's a pretty crappy move, but not unheard of. The worst part was depriving you of this performance of Arnold's and this film easily. I, I, yeah. I want to try and bullshit and pretend that he was robbed of this performance, but I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so there, so there you have it, folks. That's that's the reason why Ben had never seen this movie. Yeah, all those reasons, and it's pretty. Uh, I think if if you didn't recall the, you know, Arnie dressed up like a lumberjack in a in a jeep going through a lumberyard with a dirt bike cop bike, then chances are you didn't ever see this one. Because that was pretty, pretty uh, remarkable. To, yeah, to Ricky Skaggs, pretty memorable. One would think I would remember that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the 80s and lumber yards, but like I I feel like riding motorcycles or BMX bikes was like looked on as like a thing that was like super cool and challenging to do back in the 80s because it happened in a bunch of movies. The one that comes to my mind most is the um early 80s classic Rad, which is a BMX movie. <laughs> Ooh, it's rad. like a coming-of-age story about BMX riding, which was incredibly popular in the 80s, as Ben well knows. Oh, yeah. That is one of my brother's all-time favorite movies. For some reason, the like skateboard version of that is kind of coming to mind more. I forget, Gleaming the Cube. Was that Gleaming the Cube? Yes. No, gleaming, gleaming the, the cube. cube. Well, gleaming the cube was there, but like I would say, the equivalent analog to rad was uh, the early two thousands movie Grind. Okay. Mm. You know, and it's in sort of like a coming of age, like we're going to go on an adventure and try to win like a big competition kind of situation. Because that that's How exactly they not make these movies anymore. Like they like they have rollerblading ones and BMX ones. Well, the, yeah, the rollerblading movie Airborne was uh, sort of the 90s equivalent of Rad and and Grind. <laughs> I, love, I love how far down this road we're able to travel. Good God. Like, it's really pretty pathetic, man. My, my breadth of knowledge about these horrible movies is, <laughs> is pretty, pretty extensive. But, you know, the thing about Airborne, which was the rollerblade movie, it had so many... Um, like uh, actors playing small parts that went on to do like huge things like Seth Green's in it, Jack Black's in it, you know, like all these, <laughs> all these great actors. So I've just decided that we need to get a Kickstarter up to do the 2019s. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll wait a year and it'll be to the 2020s movie, which is all about those Razor scooters. We're going to make a Razor scooter competition movie. To try and rebirth the genre. Totally, dude. Ooh. That, that, yeah. You totally read my mind, Chad, because I was going to suggest that. I was like, we need to pick up the torch. We need to fund, write, and film the next great coming-of-age story. And it's got to be those stupid scooters that everyone rides. Yeah, a kid with a scooter and a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole thing will just be like GoPros everywhere. Exactly. And he's got to have a smartphone that's like... Hundreds of dollars more expensive than his parents, because that's the way it is now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you got to have the same one as all your buddies in school, or you're just, you know. <laughs> in, in our day, it was like Jordans, you know, and, and nowadays, I imagine it's got to be phones, right? I mean, you can't have the Bobo phone. No. Absolutely, man. No. I distinctly remember that. in my day, it was, it was the Reebok pump. Ooh. Oh, yeah, dude. Wow. And then they had tight, the fake pumps that, like, tight. you know, your mom would get it, like, pay less or something, and you get shamed for having fake pumps. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. Fun fact I had the fake Jordans. Yes. So, Are you serious, you dude? Yeah. And then I, I finally I finally got a pair, but it was as, like, the, the trend was over, you know, like, we had moved on to the pump or something at that point. So. <laughs> So it was kind of like you like ran into school and you were like, dudes, I got them. And everybody's yeah. wearing pumps. And you were like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly ultimate. Just dejected, man. Exactly how it went right there. Oh, that's so terrible, man. I wish I could give you a big fat hug. School sucked, <laughs> hey? I need a hug, everyone. You do need a hug, bro. <laughs> I need to pump you up. You got one, man.
So, oh my God, uh, such such uh, such fond memories. So, um, let's circle back to where we were. We were we 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 got as far as Jarhigo covered the first twenty seconds of the movie. Right, we were into the first twenty seconds of the movie. Jarhigo just recounted what his sort of experience was with viewing this film. Yes, and we're still on the beginning with the Ricky Skaggs. I'm glad you told everybody that it, that it was a Ricky Skaggs tune because I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, so at that point, I was like, oh, boy, what am I in for here? Oh, boy. (laughs) What's going to happen? Oh, boy, here we go. What's it going to be, dude? I was wondering if Arnold was going to be wearing, like, that red flannel through the whole movie. Oh, man, right? (laughs) I feel like like the costumes for this one, it was like the costume designer was given the the task of, like, okay, you need to make Arnold Schwarzenegger a redneck and a mafia don. And the poor guy or girl went out to like try and find lumberjack outfits and and suits and had to like get five shirts and like rip them apart and sew them all together just to fit over his giant ass frame. They all look like the most <laughs> ill-fitting, ridiculous like moo frocks. It was amazing. Moo <laughs> frocks, nice. Oh, that's funny. Like some of his jackets later in the movie were just like were absolutely hilarious. Oh, man, so hilarious. The cars, man. I could not get over the cars. They just oh, dude. really were just, Well, I mean, like, I don't, let's not... I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves either. But if we're talking about cars, I have to say it. Because it's one, it's one note that I have, and all that it says is, K-car. Totally, dude. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get into it later, but um, it's a little, little foreshadowing for you people. They, they, they stuffed Arnold Schwarzenegger into a fucking K car at some point. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, God, that's great. Does it go from there straight into the family to him being at home? Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, he he got up early to uh, catch that guy who was impersonating. Uh, a police officer and lying to the sheriff and then he was like if you need me i'll be at home yeah he goes drops the guy off then goes home to his uh, adoring wife and the wife is none other than blanche baker who played the often drunk (laughs) fiance in 16 candles wow she's like typecast as drunk yeah because she was kind of, kind of. Well, I remember her being boozy and drunk in Sixteen Candles. I haven't seen Sixteen Candles in a while. She wasn't drunk through the whole thing, but yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, she, she that that's like one of her biggest claim to fame is you know being in Sixteen Candles, which is a huge film. So fortunately for her, she was able to do this after that <laughs> <laughs> to really launch the career into the stratosphere. Yeah. Exactly, man. And now, you know, it's funny, my recollection of her, so as Arnold comes inside and she's hammered because she's depressed because he lost his job at the bureau. Yeah, she's got to live out in the sticks. Yeah, she doesn't like living where they live and they never say where they're living, but, you know, she talks about cows. So, you know, somewhere in the country. Yeah, it's bumfuck Idaho. (laughs) And, uh, And she's sitting there like dressing up a cake. I thought for the longest time and it's hard to tell when I watched it. I watched it probably three times uh, before we did the show. And I'm sorry. I always, I always thought, no, don't be. I love this movie. I always <laughs> thought that um, that she was so drunk that she made the cake entirely out of icing. 
But then when she throws it at the cabinet, it kind of looks like there might be some cake in there. I don't know. You guys want to weigh in on that? Yep. You guys want to weigh in on this completely infinitesimal detail? No, the cake. I have one note on this movie, and it's the cake. Her throwing the cake. Like it was. It was I, I my jaw dropped. I was laughing so goddamn hard at that one. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't even remember the color of it, but it was like a grayish frosting that she was just like heaping onto this goddamn cake. Yeah, that I think that's why I thought it was made of frosting. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah. It was so funny the amount of footage, like actual film. They must have had meters and meters and meters of this goddamn footage of her frosting a fucking cake, and like <laughs> the amount of editing. Like it was like cut to him, cut to her, cut to the cake, cut to the booze, cut to the cake, cut to him. It's just like it wasn't even like a roll, b roll. Like it was like yeah. a, the Academy Award for editing goes to the cake scene in Raw Deal, nineteen eighty six. Are you fucking serious, guys? <laughs> it was so good. Oh, wow, man, that was funny, man. That was really funny. That might be the best thing you've ever said on this show. You reckon? That was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Gosh. It's worth dwelling on. It was just a. Like, you know, you see the stupid shit at the beginning, the motorcycle chase, him in a giant red flannel. You're like, this is going to be weird. And then there's a fucking cake throwing scene. It was just a perfect way to be like, okay, set expectations. Now I know exactly what I'm in for. A ridiculous movie. That's where Steve Aoki got the idea, apparently. There you go. And I just died. Steve Aoki, he's a, he's a DJ that apparently cakes people in his audience. As you do. Oh, right on. Yep. Yeah, and he he's started a, he's doing a, it for... A bit of a drunken housewife? I, I don't know. I really don't know much about him. Yeah, that's his, his stage name is DJ Drunken Housewife. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anyways. That's good I think stuff. they're actually... Oh, come on, Jar Higo. We, we are... We're, we're 30 minutes in and... Two minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, so gonna, this is so bad. Let's keep it rolling here. My 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 next recollection is the scene where he's like talking to his his. Whoa 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 buddy. whoa! Back up. <laughs> yeah yeah. Wait 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 a minute. Because he delivers. Like I gotta say this. Like he. So when she whips the cake at the wall, he looks at her like 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 one thing about. Arnold in this movie, like he really looks like he's putting a lot of energy into creating and dialing this character in. And I, I mean that in a serious way. Yeah, yeah. He now, seems to be trying hard. Like he definitely does, man. He definitely looks like he is really trying to make this happen. And I applaud that. That's part of what I love about Arnold. And he looks at her and he goes, you should not drink and bake. You should not drink and bake. <laughs> and he's, he's like so serious when he says it, man. And there's like a very distinct comma after drink. You know what I mean, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody remember what it said on the cake? Yeah, it said shit. Just yeah, yeah, shit. that was okay. the best. It was like <laughs> she spends four, 45 minutes frosting the fucking cake and then like a one second cut later and she's already written a bunch of shit on it. Like <laughs> it's like nowhere in that scene was there time for her to write all that shit on the cake. Nor did it look like there was any kind of one of those frosting squeeze tubes for her to write it. Nope. So good. Oh my God. So damn good. <laughs> so, okay. 
you know, like that, that's where we start in this movie. Where do you go from? I mean, can you go any higher than that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the next, like, you've seen this a hundred times. I've seen it once. So my memory is going to be pretty faded on it. But I think the next scene is like him meeting with his, with his fed cop buddy in an office and it's just like a normal back and forth dialogue. And they're like, yeah, we need to bust this guy. And oh, this guy screwed you here and screwed you there. And then Arnold's like, how's your son? And he just like kind of <laughs> bursts into tears. And he's like, dead. <laughs> I was just, I kind of lost it, man, at that one. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, what? <laughs> the guy's got, you know, crocodile tears. Oh, it was just perfect. I really like your Arnold impression, number one, Chad. Number two, as Ben said before, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're getting to the marriage counseling scene. I just, <laughs> it's really important to point out, there's there's one other great little nugget. She passes out on the couch. He picks her up, puts her in bed. The next scene, we see him, I don't know why I found this so weird and disturbing, with his shoes off. So we actually see Arnold in his socks in that, cheesy chair with the ottoman that like you uh-huh. used to see in like everybody's home it was like a leather chair and it had wood in the back and he's like and now he's drinking but he's not you know he's not crushing glasses of scotch or anything like that and then all of a sudden he gets a phone call and the part that i find funny is that like in the beginning of the film like we see the mob hit right and then we know that Blair gets killed, Harry Shannon's son, played by the awesome Darren McGavin. And we we know that Darren McGavin is involved in the film. We know that he's, you know, pissed at Patrovita. He hates the mob. He wants to take him down. We know all that in the beginning of the film, like the first minute. And then when he's talking to Arnold, when he calls him at his house, like Arnold's super casual. But Darren McGavin, it's like the the shot of Darren McGavin is like just his mouth and his nose and part of the phone. And he's like trying to be all like clandestine about talking to him, man. And it's just <laughs> so weird, dude. Like, don't you think so, Ben? I mean, yeah, it's it's just like so odd. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stamp, make put a stamp on uh, the fact that pretty much every interaction between Arnie and Darren McGavin in this film are off the charts bizarre. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love that. I mean, like this movie, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger says the word Harry, the name Harry, like 300 times. Harry. And he's got such a way of saying that word. Harry. Harry. <laughs> so like he picks the phone up and he's like sitting on the windowsill like he's like doing a catalog shoot, right? <laughs> And Sherry's like, I mean, not Sherry. Shannon's like, what's up, Mark? And he's like, it's been a long time, Harry. What's going on? We need to talk, Mark. All like secretive about talking to him. And Arnold's like super casual, like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, we haven't talked in years. What's going on? You know, like it it was just weird. Yeah. And like you said, Ben, like every other interaction is like super weird. It was almost like Arnold like couldn't handle like acting in the same room as Darren McGavin because Darren McGavin is so great and he's just oozing awesomeness out of his pores in every single scene. Even in this movie, this horrible movie. He's great. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny. It's it just like there's like no chemistry between the two of them. <laughs> it's very like, I don't know. I know. And it's like, how is that possible? Darren McGavin is like everybody's dad. Yeah. You know, especially after a Christmas story. True that. 
Was was this film after Christmas Story? Did it come out after Christmas Ooh. Story? Ooh. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does matter. Yeah, Christmas Story was 83. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy Thank Google. you, Jimmy Google. Hey, hey, Jimmy. Okay, so let's finally, let's get to, let's catch up with Chad. Chad's already at the marriage counseling scene. Let's go. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was unbelievably hilarious. It's so funny. It's the normal back and forth, blah, 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 bunch of exposition to try and get the ball rolling on the movie. <laughs> and then the dude bursts into tears at the end. It's just such a fucking herky-jerky, like, record-scratching what? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. We went to, we went to some ball games together. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We did that. Mm-hmm. And then he died. <laughs> and, the, and he's dead. So that so so I mean like Darren McGavin just like he dives right in. Like he hits play on that VCR like the second he walks into the room and starts doing the talk about a prototrope, dude, the the rundown on who's who of the bad guys that are mm. going to be taken out in the movie, right, Ben? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely tropetastic. Tropetastic. Yeah. What 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 was Fuck, I wish I'd written it down, because now that I'm thinking about it, it was kind of funny. What was, like, Arnie's little comment about the meeting taking place in the uh, marriage counseling room? And he had, like, something, some, like, Ooh, little zinger that yeah. he says, like, when he first walks yeah, in. Yeah, he did. You make such, a, you pick such intriguing meeting places. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, I've got it up here now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. his. It's weird, because, like, at this point in Arnold's career, we're already privy to Arnold's now famous puns, you know? Like, he's like the king of the quips. Mm-hmm. And some of the best ones ever were in Commando. And, like, which, you know, as we know, came before this. And then a lot of them in Total Recall, which came after this. I and mean, it's like the, the puns are so, like, it's like he has this, like, pun energy in his body that has to come out of him. And he's, like, really <laughs> trying to choke it back in this movie. You know what I mean? But he can't choke that shit back, dude. He's, you he's, know what I mean? He's trying really hard, yeah. So is yeah. that like is that like how Asian martial artists have, like, chi energy and Arnold has, like, pun energy? Is that kind of his, like, that's yes. his combat style? That's it. I think so, yeah. That's Yeah, I think you nailed it right there, dude. I think so. Yeah, his puns are so subdued. Like, you know, you should not drink and bake. And then uh, the Bureau has... What is it? The Bureau has us meeting in such intriguing places or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You know? And then and then I love how Darren McGavin, he, like a bunch of times in the movie, keeps talking about his expenses and the savings that he has to, like, you know, mount this clandestine operation. And it's like $45,000. Like $45,000 is... Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I guess back in the eighties, that was a lot of cake, was it not? Or maybe I'm not remembering that right. Yeah, you know, go to get some nice suits <laughs> and some more guns. Going to get some gel for my hair. <laughs> I would say the highlight of that scene is probably Arnold trying to barf out what happened with Baxter. So, you know, he starts playing the videotape, and then you know, <laughs> Arnold's like, "That's Baxter." Yeah, that was that was the best part. Is it was like there was like a dude sitting there with a nameplate in front of him that says Baxter, and he's like, "That's Baxter." It's like, "Yeah, dude, there's a fucking nameplate." 
Exactly. And then, then Arnold starts like recounting why he lost, you know, his job at the bureau. And he's like, he may- <laughs> I can't even do it, dude. <laughs> Come on. Come on, do it. Please do I'm gonna, it. I'm just going to, I'm going to say it because I can't do it at the moment. But he's like, he's like, he, <laughs> he raped, murdered, and mutilated her. And like Arnold trying to say that mouthful just came out really, really funny, man. <laughs> he molested, murdered, and mutilated her. <laughs> he molested, murdered, and mutilated her. That's it. Thank you. Jarhigo's saving the day right there. We'll throw a clip in right there, too. Yeah. Um, if I can find one. This movie's so obscure, nobody posts clips about it because nobody cares about it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was like... <laughs> It was like dredging to try and find anything on YouTube. On it this was, movie. yeah. There, there was not a, a, a trove of uh, no content to find. It, it was like the algorithms on YouTube just kept driving you towards other Arnold films that people liked more. Yeah, <laughs> the internet was no different. Like I was trying to find articles and stuff like that, and like the best I could really do was like another article by another group of nerds like us <laughs> have another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> they talk about movies like this, you know? So I was like pretty stoked that somebody else was talking about this movie, but you know, like that was about all that was out there. I think this movie was just, people wanted to forget about it. <laughs> it's understandable, really. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if we're if we're ready to move on to the next scene, yeah. yes, yeah, I think we are. Yeah, let's I think uh, here. I think that the the twelve was it? You say it's twelve million dollar budget. I think they spent uh, eight million dollars on the oil barrels for the next uh, suicide scene. Oh my god, totally, dude. Oh I yeah, just, I had a one, I had a note about that, and and I I I just want to quickly like this is sort of like a retro note for like the whole beginning part with the motorcycle cop guy impersonator. Is it like, I love how Arnold goes out of his way to take a detour that will cut the guy off, pour kerosene all over the ground. Then he chews the end off, lights a cigar, chugs on it just enough to get it hot enough so he can then throw it into said puddle of kerosene and make a humongous fire that the the motorcycle guy is going to wipe out in. You know, like, I love that. That is a trope right there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> the only thing that would have made that better if it was a Wilhelm scream as the guy went through the fire. <laughs> oh, my God. Totally. Oh, man. man. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, like, I can personally tell you that I have thrown burning cigarettes into puddles of fuel and they've gone out. <laughs> so that does not always work, man. So go ahead, Chad. Why don't you just uh, lead us into the next uh, juicy scene from this movie? Because it's so freaking good. I just, I just love the way that they piece this thing together. Like I could just imagine these guys. I mean, they probably didn't even have storyboards because that's how fucked this movie is. But just sitting in a room, being like, <laughs> "All right, how are we going to do these scenes?" You're like, "All right." So then, old mate cries in a marriage counseling office, and then cut to an oil refinery where Arnie breaks in. And they're like, but yeah, how do we know it's an oil refinery? And then, you know, Timmy's like, let's buy 750,000 barrels and we'll stack them all up like a giant pyramid vertically. And then we'll blow them up. Perfect. I love it. Uh, Yeah. Take half our budget and buy barrels. 
this movie hits you over the head with uh you know what it's trying to accomplish it with does the plot. it uh, <laughs> it really does it beats you in the face with it it just uh, slaps you with it yeah it's ridiculous yeah like like Joey Brenner beating up a Lemansky hitman uh henchman rather you know it just bludgeons you <laughs> yeah <laughs> So bad. I just, I, I love, and this is like another sort of 80s trope. I mean, this is sort of just a trope, period. But like, you know, he calls in the, he calls in the robbery, disturbance, whatever, drives through the gate, pulls the motorcycle out. Like, I, he, he cuts the gate, the gate chain with bolt cutters. Well, so how did he get the motorcycle in there in the first place? <laughs> I don't know. Number one. <laughs> Number two. Again, like with the, I mean, he did it with a flare this time, so that's much more believable. Like he drives out with the motorcycle, he shoots the flare, and the thing starts burning. And then, as he drives away, it goes from that to a Hiroshima-sized explosion, <laughs> dude. You know, it's just, it's just like when when uh, Red's Red's auto parts store is burning in Roadhouse, another movie we have to talk about. <laughs> And and like it's just like a casual like fire coming out of like two windows, and then all of a sudden it just blows, man. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my thing, you know. Is that that? And it's like there's no skeleton, like you know what I mean? Like where's the skeleton? You know, like the, the the explosion couldn't possibly have like obliterated his or incinerated his skeleton into dust. No way. Uh, no. No way, man. No way, man. Yeah, the 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 surprisingly large explosion. I think that's like another one of those sort of eighties tropes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just watching this <laughs> on silent in the background, <laughs> and it's like he shoots the flare, and it, explosion number one happens at the tanks, and then it cuts to like the barrels that you see as he's driving in, which is explosion number two, two and then it cuts to him on a motorcycle with. 7,000 barrels that you haven't seen ever just absolutely <laughs> obliterating the universe as he drives his motorcycle away. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, guys. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It was very important to make sure we saw that in this film. Otherwise, we never would have put two and two together. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Because we never would have made that mental leap had we not seen. Had we uh, not seen, you that. know, yeah. It's like, oh, what? He's in the mafia now. What's going on? They beat you over the head with the exploding barrels, and then, like, in a scene on the phone with old mate, he's like, "Sorry, you had to fake your death." It's like, oh, was that what he was doing? I wondered. <laughs> Dude, you know what I love? I love how like we're just still at the really the beginning, and you've already nicknamed Darren McGavin old maid. Old mate, yeah. <laughs> it's an it's an Aussie term for when you can't remember somebody's name. Ah, okay. Old wait, do you say old maid or old mate? It's O L apostrophe M A T E. Old mate. Oh, I thought you said old maid because he was crying in the man's marriage counseling. <laughs> that works. I can call him old maid if you want. Yeah. God, this this episode might be the best ever, and we're not even... God, we're already an hour in and five minutes into the movie. This is great. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> when you when you said another another podcast did this episode, I was curious if they shut the podcast down afterwards because of how horrible the movie was, <laughs> and then I realized they probably stopped making the podcast because of how great the episode was. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, so um, next scene is Arnold in the um, a hotel room listening to Darren McGavin's, <laughs> again, another great trope, breakdown of like, he sort of gave the breakdown in the marriage counseling office, but now we're going to get the breakdown again of who's who in the Patrovita crime organization. Right, yeah, the, like the dossier on... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and Arnie's got kind of the beautiful mind strings and photos all over the room thing going on, or the beginnings of it anyways. That was my favorite part, was that he took the time to like, so clearly Darren McGavin made him a care package that had pictures of Patrovita. sorry, 8 by 10 glossy headshots of Patrovita and Raka and all of the, the gang there, right? And then he tapes them all up onto the wall just so he can take them down one at a time as uh, Harry Shannon, Darren McGavin, is explaining who those people are in the tape recording, <laughs> dude. Like, I just love that, man. It's just so it's so overly obvious and dumb and just like, oh, my God. It is. This thing is trope-tastic, man. I mean, like, we thought, like, Escape from New York was full of proto-tropes. This movie is like the proto-trope king, man. Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's, they were proto-tropes in Escape from New York. They're just normal tropes in this film. You're right. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> That's why, you know what? That's why I nicknamed you proto-trope, dude, because you are the trope freaking master. It's like you keep, you're the keeper. You know. Thank you for correcting me. The keeper of the tropes. Well, you know, I mean, they're they're prototropes when people are trying them out and they're just getting started, and then they're actual tropes when they're just being, you know, thrown about willy nilly in films here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. The one thing I did enjoy, uh, this is very, very minor, but the one thing I did enjoy about that scene where he's like walking around in a wife beater tank top and getting out of the shower, dries his hair, and he actually sits down in front of the mirror, and you get to see how Arnie combs his arnie hair and i really enjoyed that little oh little my thing. god i love that too and then how he like he like closes the closet door with the mirror so we get like the shot of arnold with the hair and the wife beater and looking at himself in the mirror yeah it was perfect yeah there's lots of arnie grooming himself in this movie hmm. there is ben there is a lot of grooming going on god it's great yeah good stuff good stuff and now i've got to comb my hair <laughs> Cut to Smoky Casino with the funniest fake money I've ever seen in my life. Oh, God. Oh, man. This part is so great. Uh, great Arnold line. Magic or magnet? And then he flips the table. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Magic? Magnet! But, but wait, hold on, hold on. Before we, we do that, I got to talk about the last line of the scene, the last bit in the scene in the hotel room. So like he's taking the photos down as Darren McGavin's narrating who's who, right? As he's about to close the door to look at himself after he combs his hair, Darren McGavin, the last thing he says on the tape is, okay, we'll see you in Chicago. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Just like that, dude. He's like, well, we'll see you in Chicago. You know, like, what is this, like a travel agency? You know, like, what are we taking a trip together? It's like, no, dude, he just like killed himself, faked his own death, you know, so he could do this whole thing. And I just thought that was funny because he's like, he's so serious in the tape. Like, that's Petrovita. You know, that's Rucka. He's the undertaker. You don't want to go to the gravel pit. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he's like, he's like, well, we'll see you in Chicago. Uh, it's like, okie dokie. Okie dokes. Well, I think, like you said, he 
cuts to the like magnet line and then starts the best the best example of an uncoordinated barroom brawl I've seen in a while. The, I just love the way that it's shot. Like you know how you saw saw those like foley artists back in the day, and they're like, "This is how we make it sound like someone's getting punched," and it's like some some nerdy dude like beating the shit out of a frozen turkey. I just imagine like some dude in the background just like beating on a turkey while Arnie like swings a swings an elbow or a knee and like misses these guys by like six feet. You know, you can see how much they're missing each other, and he throws the guy onto a table, and the table collapses like four minutes after the guy lands on the table. It's like the best thing. I've ever seen dreadful, dreadful fight in the casino. And like, you know, on top of that, like none of these guys, like really any of them, including Sam Wanamaker as Patrovita, like none of them seem like these like Italian mob guys, you know, really, really Paul Shinar who played uh, Paolo Rocca is the, uh, or, or sorry, Roca as uh, Darren McGavin always says in the movie, like he, he he's the only one that really seems like he's like an Italian mafia guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he kind of has it going, but the rest of them, yeah, the rest of them seem like they're like stockbrokers or something. Mm. Yeah, or just like regular dudes. Like I don't know if that, that's like a Midwest thing or what, man. But it, it was weird. So like none of the guys in the casino scene, you know, they, they all just seem like regular, you know, just sort of kind of greasy dudes that are just like you know holding like a gambling night in the back of their shop or whatever you know it doesn't seem like a secret mob uh, operation you know orchestrated by martin the hammer lemansky <laughs> hammer lemansky hammer lemansky uh, there's a couple other great arnold puns in there of course i didn't write them all down and that's what i should have done first um, he goes and gets in the tow truck, and then, like, as he's, like, revving up the tow truck, there's, like, some, some like, random people leaving, I don't know what, like, another restaurant nearby, maybe, and he goes, excuse me, could you move a little bit, please? And they're like, oh, sorry, and he's like, thank you. Excuse and us. Yeah. And the guy's like, you're white. And he's like, oh, thank you. That's what it is, exactly, the lights. So Which leads funny, us man. to the next 80s trope, driving a vehicle through a storefront. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Trope-alicious. So was this, the, was this before uh, Over the Top? It must have been. <sighs> uh, it might have been around. Uh, over the Top, 1987. Oof. Stallone. Oh, man. That is a talk about wow. a terrible movie. But really, the best thing about terrible, it. but raw deal beats over the top to driving a large truck through the front of a, a building. That's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some other film has beat uh, raw deal as well. But I'm yeah. sure. But canonically, for the sake of the podcast, we're going to say the first ever truck driven through the front of a building was 1986 raw deal. Fair enough. I think we can all agree. We can, yeah. I, I really, uh, my God, man. I almost want to stop this and start talking about over the top right now. Just, uh, <laughs> talk about a shitty gem of a movie, man. And the best part about it, is, of course, is because it has Robert Loja in it. I don't know how he ended up in that movie. Robert Robert Loja is the Darren McGavin of over the top, you know? But how is Robert Loja going to turn down a uh, an arm wrestling trucker movie? I mean, <laughs> nobody in their right mind would turn that down. <laughs> I know, exactly. Uh, he was like, wait, an arm wrestling trucker movie? I'm in. With Stallone? 
Count me yeah, in. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll do it. I saw that one in the theater. Did you? Did you oh, yeah. really? <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> they still called them theaters back then, too, huh? They sure did. Theaters. The, the, the theater. Yes. The cinema. So you skipped a couple of little minor things. There's a scene where in the casino where Arnold's like half-assedly wrestling with some dude and a and a henchman just like brings in a CRT television and drops <laughs> it on his head. And then Arnold takes yes. that guy and throws him up onto the ceiling, like and he gets stuck up in the lights or something. <laughs> yeah, no, he gets he he throws him up and he gets stuck on a beam yeah, that's yeah. like going across the space. <laughs> and then he's just you know, like anybody would just like jump back down, but he's just like, uh, uh and stays up there for the rest of eternity. He's still there to this day. <laughs> and then another another then yet another great trope of the eighties um is that that same guy falls right at the end of the scene. So after Arnold drives the truck through it, uh, the guy falls. Like, so Arnold walks out the door and then there's like two guys, there's one guy left in the room, like the guy that was running it. And then he's like sort of sitting there like stunned <laughs> by what just happened. And then the guy from the ceiling, the guy that's on the beam falls. No, I just, I just turned the sound on. He goes, guys, make sure to clean up the mess before you knock off. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> then the guy falls. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so after this scene, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to, like, what the hell happens after this? It's the shoot 'em up, the mafia shoot 'em up. So this is when LePatra Vita, like, he's like, I love this scene. So what jumped out at me here was like, they go to get in the car to leave after he chews him out. And then all of a sudden, there's just like a Boy Scout school bus, and like all the windows drop down, and they just start freaking <laughs> pumping bullets into that car, man. <laughs> It's just like all they're doing is shooting the car and poor Tony. <laughs> poor Tony. Yes, yeah, sir. Poor Tony. And what's great about that, I actually wrote this down. The bus goes by, misses everybody except for Tony. And then like the boss, like Patravita jumps on top of Tony, like as if to shield Tony from bullets. But Tony's already dead and Tony really should be jumping on Patravita to make sure he doesn't get right. shot. Yeah. Like, it's the most bizarre thing it's like they ever. Were trying, they're trying to tell the actor to like use him as a human shield, and like he just wasn't quite getting it, you know. And they just went with it, like as it was. Well, they spent all their money on those barrels. <laughs> they didn't have enough money for another take. Yeah, they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and then like they get up, and he's like, "Ah, Tony, Tony was a great kid." <laughs> and then he's like, "Make sure you find a good replacement for him." Like, not like who just tried to yeah. kill me. <laughs> uh, are you okay? Uh, did you get shot by a stray bullet? None of that. Just ah, oh, Tony was a great kid. Make sure you find a good replacement Gee, I for him. Wonder who that's gonna be. I was like, okay. Yeah, right. I wonder who that's going to be exactly. Not thank yeah, hello Freddy foreshadowing, you know what I mean? So ridiculous, man. So uh I wish I could claim that as my own. That's from Archer. But um yeah, he's um it's just like it's so surreal, man, you know. And that's I think that's when we get the first look at um Paolo, no, it's not the first look at Paolo Roca, but the first scene with him other than what we saw on the tape. And that guy and and uh patravita is played by sam wanamaker he was a great actor he played you know he was in hollywood forever and ever and ever and uh paul chenard who played rucka was a uh really accomplished actor so again this sort of goes back to my earlier comment about like all these great actors that are 
buoying up Arnold in this movie. Um, Paul Shinar actually started the um, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, and he acted in a ton of stage productions there and in other places. So this guy is like a really really serious accomplished actor and, he, <laughs> and then he stopped for five minutes to play paolo roca in this uh gem of an 80s <laughs> film <laughs> i don't really know understand the math on that one but uh he's he's really great in this movie yeah, it's amazing that they were able to get some of these guys i know man it really is and it, unfortunately that guy i mean it's 86 so they were probably all coked out of their faces to be fair yeah right yeah and uh paul Shinar actually died in 89 uh, of AIDS, and he also actually voiced uh, Jenner in uh, The Secret of Nim, which is a great animated classic. Man, that's a oh, classic. Yeah. Hey, he's in the uh, the Big Blue as well. That's a that's a really obscure and fantastic. Oh, yeah, film. yeah, exactly right. So then it cuts from the Boy Scout shoot 'em up scene. It cuts to Arnie robbing some poor woman of her jewelry and like dropping her in Coney Island or whatever, huh? Oh my God, I love that part, dude. Um, oh, real quick, just a little quick tidbit about Paul Shinar. He also played um, Sosa, the drug lord in Scarface. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a pretty high profile piece of work right there. Yes, the limo scene. So Arnold jumps in the limo. Driver's like, hey, you know who. I love that, dude. <laughs> Total 80s right there. Do you know whose car this is? And Arnold's like, shut up. And then the girl gets in, takes the jewelry off, then he drives him out to I wit it, I it's gotta be what like the Chicago equivalent of Coney Island right, chat. Yeah. yeah. There's like a bunch of disused parade floats in the background as he's dropping them off. Yes, there you go. Disused parade yeah. floats. <laughs> exactly. So the best part of that scene, like there's some back and forth there or whatever, but like my favorite part of that scene is, is when he drives away, the limo guy like whips a rock at the car and he goes, you took my lunch, you son of a bitch. <laughs> right, yeah. So stupid, dude. Oh my god, it's so great! This just as as 1990 timeless as Demolition Man was. This might be one of the more 80s movies. Yeah, it really it's pretty is pretty 80s out, man. The cars, the 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 locations, the clothes. Yeah, but it's like it. It's kind of like in order for a movie to be quintessentially of that decade, it needs to be so bad that it just like jumps the shark for all of the tropes. And I feel like Demolition Man definitely did that for the 90s, in my opinion. And and this one might just have done it for the 80s. You know what? You may very well may be right about that, Chad. Because, like, every fucking scene in this movie jumps a goddamn pod of sharks or a fucking herd of <laughs> sharks or whatever the hell a group of sharks is called. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. There's something in every scene for everyone. So the next scene, Arnie is driving away and he's like... Well, what's in this brown paper bag here? Oh, look at this. Looks like uh, tuna on rye. I was kind of hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sort of backs up your whole sandwich theory from like yeah, man. an episode or two ago. This, this, this movie was kind of a tuna on rye. <laughs> Oh, this movie is definitely this, this movie is like an old this movie is like old tuna on rye on like really crappy Wonder Bread or something, man. <laughs> so it's so it's actually like a like one of those 
double taco things at Taco Bell where they made a tuna fish sandwich on rye and then put Wonder Bread on the outside of it. No, it's it's just a Wonder Bread on rye uh, sandwich. <laughs> it's just just <laughs> just buttered some Wonder Bread and then put it on rye. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. It's a poverty sandwich. We're two-thirds of the way through Act 1. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? We are, literally. I believe the next scene is when Arnold's sort of doing like a check-in with uh, Harry. Harry. He's he's leaving. He's talking. I love how like he leaves the messages in the other apartment. So there's two apartments. He's rented right. two apartments, one for Arnold and then one for the tape recorder that's going to be catching all of Arnold's uh, updates and messages. And that tape recorder is a giant industrial reel-to-reel, like an answering machine wasn't enough. Like they had to use a giant reel to reel to catch all of Arnold's It's a reel to reel with like an amp and giant bookshelf speakers next to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so funny. And the best part is, is that like, so Arnold starts going through like, you know, the rundown, like, like he's just doing like a grocery list of like, like he might as well have been, I'm surprised he didn't actually mention his actual grocery list in the scene because he starts starts saying and it sounds so awkward and weird he's just like uh harry the apartment is fine uh i'm renting a car tomorrow and it's like you're renting a car tomorrow like (laughs) 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 like number one who cares what the apartment's like you know what i mean like that shouldn't matter man you're trying to infiltrate a criminal organization you're not trying to like you know live it up large as a uh, you know, you faked your own death and now you're going to be Joey P. Brenner. It's like, who cares what the apartment's like? Number one. Number two, it's like you're renting a car. Why would you, A, do that in the first place? B, why would you tell him that? Who cares? <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, it's man. Like he's checking in with his dad or something, you know. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'll be home at 10. Yeah. I love you. Exactly, man. <laughs> Okay, daddy, just got into town. My hotel's pretty nice. I'm going to get a car, and I'll be able to visit you and mom. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like, let me know. Maybe I could pick up a pizza on my way. (laughs) With extra pepperoni. Pepperoni, Nine millimeter bullets. So I mean, at this at this point, he he kind of uh, lets himself into the uh, Petrovita Speakeasy Casino thingamajiggy and uh what's his uh what's one of his yes men know uh how does he describe it he's like uh, 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 oh. uh, uh <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god let him know uh the is painting the ass has shown up or something along those lines right tell him i'm the pain in lemonsky's yeah. ass <laughs> yeah so terrible, man. So we, we just need to pause for a moment and recognize that, Ben, you just died on the surface of Mars there, but you got to it in the end. Yes. Yes. Uh. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we are, all, we are also uh, introduced to the alluring Monique in this scene. Oh, my God. Catherine Harold, man. 
just a sexy 80s babe, yes. right? Yes, an 80s siren. An 80s siren. Wow, well said, dude. She's just a she's a sexy babe. Sexy 80s babe. She's got the teased hair and the cleavage. She's Monique. Totally. She doesn't mind if Arnold's smoking a cigar right next to her. Right in her face. Because she's smoking two cigarettes while he's doing that. <laughs> oh, man. The 80s. Everybody's just smoking everywhere, dude. You know, in the apartment, in the restaurant, everywhere. I love it, man. Arnold with the cigars. The locations in this film are really, really full-on 80s. And that that casino might be the most 80s location I've ever seen. Oh my god, the bar slash casino? Yeah, it's like it. Yeah, the bar slash casino is is. It's it's uh, it's you know what's weird, Ben, is that it's like the the sets are like they are what you're saying. They are so 80s, and yet at the same time they are so like B level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, especially the casino. It's so small. I think that was the thing to me is like. It's kind of got the vibe in the 80s thing, but if it was like two or three times larger or even throw some fucking mirrors in it or something to make it look bigger with like the camera work, but it just looks like it looks like they like took the director's kid's bedroom and turned it into a casino, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that that's just a like like the style. I I I would definitely the style of that bar slash casino is like straight up eighties. You know what I mean? But like as a set, as a location, it just it feels really B level to me, dude. You know, possibly even C plus level. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he goes up into the office, and in the office on the wall opposite, like the desk. As he's talking to uh, Roka, there are like three television sets, like CRTs, like just kind of willy nilly, like embedded in the wall there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Totally, like, dude. Yeah, another total 80s thing, man. Like, like the closed circuit security TVs or whatever. But yeah, yeah but they're yeah. just like really, like really bizarrely willy nilly, like just jammed into the wall there like like somebody just kind of <laughs> threw them and they landed however they were, they they, were you mean like they were they were like you know what this needs like tvs in the in wall, the wall. <laughs> all right all right like just cut, cut, cut some holes and throw the tvs in the wall but they're they're actually oh oh i see what you're saying dude yeah they're all spaced out like they're all um that's how they did it like in the 60s yeah. If uh, if the folks at home have have a podcast app that supports Chapter Out, I'll chuck an image of that into it so you can look at your look at your podcast app and you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, definitely, that would be great. And if you don't have one that supports Chapter Out, I think Pocket Casts on both Android and iOS and Overcast on iOS supports it. So I love how it's like trying to be cool with having multiple televisions, but they were just like, yeah, just cut some holes in the sheetrock and. Grab those four shitty TVs out that we saw on the curb outside and, and just flush them up with some joint compound. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to just waiting for a moment to <laughs> throw the word joint compound. <laughs> you know, you know, he was, man. Oh, man. He had to, dude. Had to be done. He let, 
If there's one thing we know about C Lab, it's he's all about joint compounds. I do love a good bit of uh, taping some joints. It's nothing like taping some joints. So yeah, he meets Roka, but more importantly, this is where we meet uh, the impeccable Robert Davi as Max Keller and oh fucking and totally. Henceforth, dude. the hilarious rivalry begins between those two, which was so funny. I know, and uh, it is so funny. And Davi, I mean, I mean, come on, dude. If there is a guy, like if there's there's two guys, I I don't really know why I think this, but like. It, there's two guys that just jump out at me 80s. It's freaking Robert Davi and Michael Ironside. They're just, I don't know, man, like just 80s staples. Like I feel like they were in everything in the 80s. And yeah, they're just yeah. great. Well, I mean, Robert Davi is like the bad guy in every fucking movie. <laughs> Oh my God, dude. He was the bad, he was one of the Fratellis and Goonies. He was the bad guy in, um, uh, License to Kill, the Bond movie that came out in 89 uh, when Timothy Dalton had taken the role on. And then, you know, I mean, take a, take your pick, man. He's been in like every single movie in the 80s, man. My God. And Michael Ironside. <laughs> yeah, he played one of the FBI agents in Die Hard. And he wasn't the bad guy, but he was a dick. And Ironside, dude, was like kind of the same way, I felt like, you know, total, re- uh, yeah, total recall and like freaking... You know, take your pick again. Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. There you go. That is gold right there, baby. We got to do that. (laughs) The trilogy? What, Maniac Cop? (laughs) The trilogy. (laughs) I'll totally do that. I would like to say that this is also, well, right after we meet Robert Davi, and I love like the, I mean, like, it's great, Ben, because like the rivalry between the two of them starts right away. Immediately. You know, yeah. it's like immediately. And Roca's, Roca's like, oh, this is Max. He takes care of things, all kinds of things. And he's like, what do I want with you? And he's like, I want to take care of things, all kinds of things. <laughs> and it's like, is there an echo in this room? And then, you know, Robert Dobby's like, yeah, that job's already taken. You know, and it's like, they're at it, man. Straight away. Probably one of the best dynamics of the entire movie. It was great. Uh, Joey, this is uh, Max Keller. Max takes care of things. All kinds of things. Trying to prove that maybe you can use me? For what? To take care of things. All kinds of things. That job's filled. I'm sure a smart man like Mr. Rocker is always looking to upgrade. And then he sends three guys out to, like, murder him in the alley right after that. Like, that's the best part. And that's where we get introduced to another really 80s and just in general Hollywood staple, Ed Lauder, who has been in, like, every movie and TV show on the freaking planet, dude. I don't know where to start. He was in... uh Christ, he was in Real Genius. I mean, I mean, just in the 80s alone, he was in um, Gleaming the Cube, which you mentioned yes. before. He was in Real Genius, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Death Wish 3, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Finders Keepers, The Big Score, Cujo. I mean, Time Rider. Like, Ed Lauder has been in everything, and he has played a cop in exactly half of those roles that I just rattled off. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of those actors. 
And if you don't know who Ed Lauder was, you would totally, and I'm really talking to the folks at home here, you will know him when you see him because we will post up a link of some kind. Yeah, like literally you just need to see a picture of his mug and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, exactly. I'm, like, I'm surprised he wasn't in Tombstone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. How did he not end up in Tombstone? <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, uh, terrific Arnie wine in that, in that part. Yeah, what, what is the, what's the line, Ben? Oh, nothing. I mean, he gets into the bar brawl and then the cops like run down the alley just after the, the action breaks up and, uh, you know, like whatever he, he introduces himself, et cetera. And Ed Ladder's like, what's the P stand for? Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Joseph P. Brenner. What's the P stand for? Pussy. Pussy. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. We're, we might want to we, we might want to not go frame by frame <laughs> just because we're still in Act One, and we're an hour and thirty six minutes in. Yeah, you're probably right. So then, I think the next scene is the jogger chick. Is when they the police do the raid on the house, like in the suburbs. A couple things that I had from there, like I love the blonde jogger chick. She walks up to the car and she's like, "When was the last time you had a good piss?" <laughs> and then pulls the gun out and the guy's like ah oh, crap <laughs> no you got me and then the jogger chick walks up to the door with the guy and then like just cops come swarming out of everywhere of course ed louder's one of them and then he goes in there and there's just like people screwing in like every single bedroom dude it's bizarre i mean i guess it's not but it's like you know early in the morning yeah, i was like real world sandusky or something <laughs> yeah something like that man yeah real world sandusky there you go nice one dude and then ed and then ed louder has a great line there he's like hey, call the president i think we just fixed the deficit because <laughs> there's like all this cash on the table it's like yeah wow you know like there you go there's another 80s trope right there i'm telling you man jump on the shark another shark jumped so exactly another scene in raw deal another shark jumped you heard it here first, folks, on In This Episode, Everybody Dies. Anything else from that that scene, gang? Nah, man. Nah, man. Nah, man. Then we end up in the most 80s office ever. That was like, I love that scene, too, because it was like, speaking of another 80s person, it was like the most Donald Trump thing ever, where the guy's like a mob boss, and he just got his smack and money ripped off, and he's like, I want you to break into the cop shop and steal it back. It's like, what fucking crack are you smoking dude that's the stupidest idea i've ever heard in my life he's like i just want you to do it right exactly he's like just do it and you're just like dude that's not a good idea mr president like just do it anyways okay yeah no worries it's not a good idea mr president i swear you know like and again like kind of jumping back to that scene where they they do the raid on the house like none of those guys even remotely look like Italian mafiosos. So, I, well, you know what? I guess that just sort of goes to show the budget of this film. <laughs> it reflects the budget of the film. Anyway, moving on. So, Patrovita's office, like, I, I, I love what he's talking about. The smack, I want it. And my favorite part of that whole scene, and I could not believe it when, like, this happened, is that he he takes his, his medicine, he takes his pills with a glass of milk. <laughs> And it's skim milk, kidding, too. Man. It's really watery-looking skim milk. No, it is, it's it was, milk. It was, it was early soy milk. 
<laughs> He's like, I want the smack. It's mine. I want it. And then he throws pills in his mouth, and you see him pick up a glass. It glass has milk in it. I gotta take my vitamins. I got hang on. I got hang on, Rock. I gotta take my vitamins, <laughs> and then I want the smack. Have you guys had those Flintstones chewables yet? They're great. <laughs> hang on, Rocker. I gotta take my Flintstones chewables. Then I want you to get the smack. It's mine. I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> there is something funny about his insistence on that, right? Like it's it's hilarious. Like, it's like, like a kid whose candy got taken away from him or something. It's just. But it's like the most tropey thing ever. Like you've you've had a boss at some point in your life that's asked you to do something really stupid, and you're like, "Dude, really?" You're like, yeah, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> you leave the room, and you're like, "How the fuck are we gonna do this?" I swear, the only reason it happened was to move the the plot forward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you know what's great is that there's a piece of artwork on the wall in his office that is so '80s. Like it looks like. Like a bargain basement, like repro of like some sort of Asia album cover or a Roger Dean Yes <laughs> album cover. Yeah, I was just looking through. Jimmy Google was just showing me the uh, IMDb of the film, and it turns out the set decorator for Raw Deal was Otho from Beetlejuice. Oh so that's shit! Are you kidding? That's where that art came from. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally serious. A fictional Holy character from no, Beetlejuice was the set director. Wow. The set dresser for Raw Deal was Otho. Yeah. You're just taking the piss. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> you almost bought it, though. <laughs> I totally bought it, dude. Well, I, was, I had bought it. I was just dying for another tie-in to uh, 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 Demolition Man. There it is. So was I, man. Like, I was like about, like, you were about, that was about to melt my brain. <laughs> Demolition Man, Beetlejuice, like, Otho, forget it. What seems to be the boggle? What, what, what's, what seems to be your boggle, citizen? Yeah, I was asking what your boggle was, man. Come on. We need to move this thing along, guys. <laughs> or this is going to turn into like an eight-parter. <laughs> the, next, the next major scene is when sh- she tries to seduce him and he falls, he fake falls asleep. Yeah. Oh man, that's the best, man. He's talking about the champagne, and then he has a then he has a tape recorder playing a tape of him snoring, so he can like sneak into the other room and listen to her. I love that. <laughs> the kind of next thing that I think would be worth touching on is the Godfather going into Patrovita's wooden office scene, only because it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. Where you're standing in front of like the mafia don, and he's like, "Have you ever killed anyone before?" It's like no one's gonna be fucking talking like that, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You mean you mean like when Patrovita's asking, "Yeah, if like killed anybody?" The mafia don doesn't ask anyone if he's killed anyone. You know, like they're a little bit more careful than that, for Christ's sake. Well, not only that, but like they already know that when they've like got the guy. Like if you're there at the house having the meeting, they know what you've done. They don't need to ask you that shit. But that give, that's that's like one of Sam Wanamaker's like best lines in that entire movie is when he goes, he's like, you ever kill anybody? He's like, you want names and addresses? And he goes, smart, I like. Smart ass, I don't. That's his best line. The, uh, the little teeny thing to throw in there as I uh, shuffle through this thing on silent is that his vitamins are on the on the table in this office as well. His vitamins are on the table in the wooden office as well. Yeah, they're just sitting right in front of his desk the whole scene. 
Nice. And then, oh, another great 80s trope that happens like right at the beginning when Arnold shows up with Catherine Harold is like uh, Roca he greets them. And he's like, uh, and Arnold's like, oh, this is a great party. And Roca's like, this is just a small gathering of a few friends. <laughs> Luigi's parties are huge and only held outdoors. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, how many times do we hear something like that? In Let's the- measure our dicks here, guys. Another 80s trope, let's go dress shopping. Oh, my God, right? Again, another totally 80s location. Oh, man. It's straight. It's the Starcourt Mall, for Christ's sake. You picture the fucking... <laughs> it's totally in the freaking Starcourt Mall. You picture Court the, Mall. the Stranger Things kids walking around in the background. Yep, they were there. It was, it was right next door to Scoops Ahoy. That's it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw Sabaro today, man. That's very mall, 80s mall. It's not as 80s mall as Orange Julius. I knew you were going to say that. You're so right, though. It's not. (laughs) Orange Julius. You're my twin brother, Orange Julius. (laughs) Okay. Death number 900. Death number... What? You didn't die. You didn't die on Orange Julius. I thought that was funny. Okay. You're still alive, bro. Um, You're the only one of us that's still kicking. (laughs) Oh, okay. Glad somebody's keeping track. Uh, Yeah, so the next scene... like, Okay, so Robert Davi... You know, takes the photo in the party of him and Joey so he can show it to like his cop friend. Then we Did go you give to him like a the... wet willy or something in the photo. Like, yeah, yeah. No, he gra- like, he grabs his head to like pull him closer and Arnold kind of snaps away and gives him a, a, like a Arnold death stare. He's like pinching his cheek or something. No, yeah, it was, there, there was something more to it. Like Chad said, he pinched him or. Gave him like a wet willy or something. Something weird happened in the photo. You know what? I really don't think that Robert Davi stuck his uh, finger slicked with his own saliva inside Arnold's it ear. It was a wet willy, goddammit. Goddammit. Damn it, it was a wet willy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't... God, I cannot. I, like, I'm so off my Arnold game right now, which is so <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, dude, he gives him a wet willy, man. You're 100% vindicated. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. I thought it was a wet willy. No, I know that he doesn't do it. I know that he doesn't give him a wet willy. He does not give him a wet willy. <laughs> okay, bro. What? That's not what happens, dude. He just like grabs his ear or something, yeah, yeah. man. I don't need to. He grabs his earlobe. I love it. It was like, you know, Otho is the set director. He got a wet willow. We're just fucking around, bro. Don't don't get upset about it. It's okay. Who are you talking to? Me? Yeah. You're like, you didn't fucking get wet willow. It's like, all right, bro. He did, dude, he didn't give him a wet willy. <laughs> no worries, man. No, he grabs his ear. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I one of you, I don't remember which one of you was talking about the dress shopping. Like, Showing her her sensitive side, doing the dress shopping. He's like, why not get both? <laughs> I can. I'll buy it. With the three, like, dirty henchmen that just came from, like, a poker game. Oh, my God. That's the best part is, like, the guys come rolling into the mall, dude. And then, like, like the one guy is just, like, got his face pressed up against the glass. <laughs> and he's like, hey, that's them right there. Like... It's just so stupid, dude. But it was like these three henchmen were out to lunch at getting Orange Julius's and sandwiches. At the mall. 
They were because they throw all of the orange Juliuses and their hot dogs into the fountain. <laughs> into the fountain. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, fuck you. We're mob guys. We don't care. They're on their day off just like eating fucking sandwiches from Sabaro. We work for Hammer Lemansky. <laughs> was I the only one that was just waiting for... Um that was just waiting for Monique to grab the that big white light up globe off the top of that pedestal and smash it over somebody's head. That's exactly what I thought. I was just waiting for that to happen. Like the minute, like they like pan and you see that thing in the background, she's standing behind it. I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna, and it never happens. <laughs> oh wait, no, it does happen. She smashes the the vase over the guy's nah, head. She, oh, the, the globe. globe. No, yeah, the, yeah, the globe. yeah, no, the, the, no, she the does. Totally eighties, right. you know light up sphere that's just on the top of like a a fucking monolith yeah <laughs> right right exactly because in the 80s everybody had a glowing sphere on top of a monolith yeah, you know like, i still have mine it's exactly right <laughs> i still have mine guys i still have it in the basement there's a lot of great little tropies in this um part like uh, the manager of the store is like frozen like oh my god what's going on and, and uh Catherine Harold's like go bitch because Arnold's like call the police and she's like sitting there doing nothing like staring in disbelief and Catherine Harold pushes her and is like go you bitch and then Catherine Harold actually kicks more ass in that scene than anybody Very else much. like she is fucking working man like, just, like, grabbing mannequin arms, bashing dudes in the face, like, the vase, you know, all of that, man. It's crazy. It's great, actually. I love how much ass she kicks in that scene. Yeah, she whoops some serious ass. And she gets her goddamn dresses. That, that's right. Exactly right. And she looked fabulous doing it all. I love how we're not even halfway through this movie. We are close. We are actually very close to being more than halfway through the movie. This movie the runtime of this film is only... One hour and 45 minutes. The runtime of this film is half of the episode that we're about to make about this film. <laughs> no, we have already recorded more material than the movie is long. No. So this this part, uh, when they're down in the, the basement uh, casino slash bar, <laughs> ultimate 80s bar. The director's kid's bedroom. Yeah, right. The director's kid's bedroom, and they're screaming at each other about how they're going to get the smack and the money and all that. And there's there's Brenner over there have, sipping on his drink, and he's like, "What about a bomb?" Like Mister Casual mm. sipping on his orange juice, sipping on his orange Julius. Hey, that's right. Sorry, sipping sipping on his orange juice. Oh my God, it is an orange Julius. <laughs> Took from the mall. I just love how they're planning a huge heist while the cleaners are working in the background. I love that man, and and Roca Roca should have been like, "What's in that glass? It looks like an orange Julius." <laughs> and he should have been like, "It is. I just came from the mall. <laughs> I was looking at bombs and shopping for dresses with Catherine Harold." Uh, that would have been great. That would have been better than what actually happened in that scene. <laughs> that, that would have been better than what actually happened, right? They don't, they don't waste any time. Like, they could jump right into it. So, like, very next scene, uh, a vending machine guy is uh, delivering the first quote-unquote bomb to the other police station. Total 80s. Th- I mean, it's not even really an 80s thing. They, they, they did this, for like, far well into the 90s as well, like, you know, the, the vending machine guy rolls in. And the guy's like, hey, where's Tony, the regular guy? <laughs> like, ah, I don't know. He's got the day off. 
Yeah, that's what the boss keeps asking too. <laughs> you know, or, or something, something like that, dude. It's so stupid, man. And then he's like, okay. And then they show the guy like he opens the door to the vending machine, and then he like slyly like takes the bomb soda can and throws it in there. And I mean, I shit you not, it is a nine volt battery and a Timex wristwatch <laughs> with the band taken off, taped, or glued, or, you know, what have you, to the uh, soda can. It's yeah, Dennis just... Hopper from Speed made that bomb, man. Come on. There you go, dude. Exactly. I, I actually I actually made a note about how ridiculous that bomb was. I know. It's so bad. And he's, like, just got it in his hand like he's just holding, like, a regular soda can, like what he's in there. And then he's like all careful about like placing it in there. But it is. It's like a freaking wristwatch with a nine volt battery. It's so and dumb. Some curly man. wires, yeah. It. Yeah. And some curly wires. Don't forget those. Gotta have those. those in a bomb. Speaking of curly wires, the next scene is in the dinner is the dinner where uh he blows it and she ends up ripping off the fucking dress in the middle of the dining room. Oh, I love that part, man. But hang on. We, I mean, you don't forget that there's like a big scene right after the bomb blows up where we finally see Harry roll up for the first time since the beginning of the film. Harry. He rolls in. Harry. Not only does Harry roll in, but Baxter, who's the federal prosecutor, he just happens to be getting an Orange Julius around <laughs> the corner, and he rolls in to check out what's going on too. And that's when they have their sort of like – I'm not really saying that I'm the guy going to secretly infiltrate the mob, but I am. I'm, I feel like I'm I'm just, <laughs> I'm too invested in this movie. <laughs> I think you are, man. Every, every single time in this show where I'm like, oh, what about the scene? You're like, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's two minutes and 47 seconds of runtime before that. Hang on. Back up. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> yeah and exactly and i need to spend exactly 30 minutes talking about mm. it <laughs> uh okay let's keep going whips the dress off throws it at arnold yep i mean this movie is just like the plot is so thin dude what about a bomb so it's really i mean it, it's about the bomb it's about <laughs> the really the movie is not about i mean it's sort of about Arnold infiltrating the mob, but it's really more about <laughs> Patravita getting his smack back. Like that's sort of the locus of like the entire middle of the film, middle to the end of the film. Yep, yep. The Ocean's Eleven uh, cops going into the cop shop. It's the part where the bomb squad steals the dope back. It's great, and then and then there's like a little interlude scene. Hold on, there's a little interlude scene right after the. The, the dinner th- situation with Davi and and Arnold, where he meets with Harry in person in the uh, apartment with the reel to reel tape, <laughs> <laughs> and they're drinking Seagram's golden wine coolers while they're talking about the case. <laughs> oh, good, oh man, I love this movie. <laughs> Oh boy! <clears throat> All right, so Harry and there, there's uh, Harry and uh, Arnold are drinking Seagram's golden wine coolers in the apartment. <laughs> I mean, this is like the film pretty much wraps itself up here, except I mean, we do the bomb squad thing, and then like their distraction is to like kill Lemonsky, and there's some more great like 
Davi and uh, Joey, like, you know, kind of going at it. Like, that's all they seem to do, really. All I was like, their car is heavier than our car. This <laughs> is like, okay, They're man. They're never going to work. Yeah. He goes to shoot him. And he's like, oh, there's too many people. He's like, yeah, we'll just we'll just chase him and we'll just shoot him when we can. Like, that's literally what he says. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that doesn't work, man. You're, like, dr- moving a moving vehicle. What do you think? You're going to, like, aim through a scope and, like, shoot the guy in the car? <laughs> like, you're in a moving vehicle. He's in a moving vehicle. Like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. I was like, yeah, that's great. Maybe if they had Kurt Willis's machine gun with a scope, maybe, but. Yeah, maybe. But, like, I was like, wow, that's some great dialogue there. Really stellar. Um, oh, I said Kurt Willis. Kurt Russell. God, that's Kurt, Kurt Willis. Willis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's the uh, he's the, uh, the the second cousin and uh, the son of uh, Kurt Russell and Bruce Willis. <laughs> Maybe that's Star Lord's real name, Kurt Willis. <laughs> Oh man. You know, you know, um just to go back to what you were saying, Bet, like you you your little teaser at the beginning was the uh, Reliant K car. Yes. And the scene when they're chasing around trying to shoot Lemonsky is when they're in the K car. No, they're not in a K car for that. They're in I don't know what they're in for that. Um the K car is coming up though. Isn't the K car the car? This is my f- we're skipping ahead a little bit. I know you're going to rewind this, but my favorite scene in this fucking movie is when Arnold is driving down the road, stops, and then just shoots seven bullets through his windshield randomly. I was like, what the fuck did he just do that for? And then he kicks he the windshield kick the windshield, out. windshield I was yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So stoked about him just shooting the windshield randomly. That, that was Monique's car. No, it's not Monique's car because he tells her before they go to the graveyard, he goes, here, take my car. Ah, and then she takes off in the car, and then they go to the graveyard. And I actually thought this was this was pretty good, it like in terms of like you know how the story was written because I didn't see it coming at all. It's like they go to shoot Shannon, right? Like the whole the whole like test is like for him to shoot Harry. I mean, it was a little it was a little wrung out and contrived, but like you know, it was still pretty good take him to kill Harry and then like they shoot Harry and then Harry's nearly dead and then, you know, whatever. But like, and then, and then I love how like Monique just shows up in the graveyard and he's like, what are you doing Mm -hmm. here? And she's like, saving your ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he jumps in the car and it's like, how would you even know where I am, dude? There's no, no, nobody got a smartphone yet. Ain't no GPS. How did she know that? I don't know. Chad, aren't you proud of me? I'm not rewinding the film. I'm moving forward. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm proud of you, man. So speaking of the funeral part, uh, they they roll up to the funeral in Robert Davi's K car. I mean, the K car is is the thing about a K car and what's funny about a K car is it's like a you know, American car company trying to do like a compact car, but it's a sedan, it's a four door, and they were just like little shit boxes, you know? Like Oh, that was so shitty, dude. I mean, like, t- is like the pinnacle of like that era of shittiness. There, I mean, the eighties were rife with shit boxes, but uh, the K-, K car is definitely one of them. <laughs> definitely, but it was not unlike that that uh, Corsica we rented that time with the maroon velour interior. Ben, <laughs> remember that? Yeah, because this car is like the same color scheme. It's gray on the outside. With maroon a on the bright maroon, yeah, but it's, it's vinyl instead of uh, velour. 
velour. Like it's actually velour. 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 Velour needs to come back. Really should, you know? Yeah, it really needs to, man. Like track suits all made Ooh, out of velour. Fuck yeah. yeah. Right? Totally, fuck dude. Fuck yeah. Said so if we ever go on tour, we gotta we gotta come out in uh matching velour tracksuits. I'm down. Yes, definitely. <laughs> To continue driving this bus towards the um, flaming end that it's coming to. Damn, we're getting close. Yeah, we are getting close. So they they drive around chasing Lemonsky. They get in like a big, uh, you know, chase with him. Almost crash. Then Lemonsky's car goes like underneath a, a Mack truck or something. The top gets torn off. Uh, this is after like a huge shootout on the highway. Another another trope. <laughs> Right. The roof being torn off of your vehicle after driving underneath a semi truck. Yeah. A trailer. Mack truck. Totally. And then he and then he like goes off like the edge of a loading dock and the thing just spontaneously explodes into like, you know, another Hiroshima sized <laughs> explosion, dude. It's like the explosive guys on this movie just like were like really green and just weren't white. You know, they didn't want to underdo it and just like way overdid it for every fucking explosion. Totally, man. Uh, totally, exactly. I, I love uh, too, like uh, before Lemansky's car explodes, like, like as the chase is getting cooked up, like Arnold starts shooting at Lemansky's car. And they do this like super close up of the window to show that it says bullet resistant on it. <laughs> so dumb. Yet man. another example of this movie just fucking clubbing you over the head. Exactly. Can we just pa- pause for a minute to discuss Arnie as an undercover cop? who like throws paint in the guy's face at the gay bar and then proceeds to like shoot up the entire town without caring about it. I know. And then on top of that chat, he he has one of the messages he leaves for Harry after he tells him about, you know, how, like how he, how much he likes the apartment and how he's renting a car. He's like, you know, I had a thought, uh, what if I get in a shootout with some cops? How do you think I should handle it? It's like, dude, he's <laughs> shooting up the entire city, man. Like, who cares? Like, he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, he just wastes so many guys. It's so funny. Uh, Stephen Hill, the guy that played Lemansky, uh, Lemansky, sorry, he went on to uh, be on Law and Order for like ever and ever and ever. That's like one of his biggest known roles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey it looks like Mulvey dead. picked the wrong time to inject yeah. something serious into this show you're dead as shit there bro <laughs> Dude, that- <laughs> uh, death by imdb look oh hang on we just sprinkle a factoid in here boys like yeah okay dude hey let me let me throw a factoid in here at the wrong time it's like my god Somebody just stabbed me with a 40-foot spear. Yeah. You just caught a stray Arnie bullet on that one. Sure did. Wow. All right, next uh, next main scene was him Ramboing out with all of his guns and putting on the leather jacket that the costume designer had to put five leather jackets together to make for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a members-only jacket, bro. Okay. Dude, that, that, you know, probably the best scene in the movie. You always got to love Arnie's gear up scenes. 
Oh, come on, dude. And then it's just got that. The best. It's got, uh, what the hell is that track called? The Kaminsky Kaminsky Stomps. Stomps. (laughs) That's it. The Kaminsky Stomps, dude. Best track of the movie. The soundtrack is so good. That's what's so amazing. It's like, this movie is such a terrible, like, train wreck of tropes and wooden acting great actors and like terrible dialogue and it's like and then you've got this soundtrack that it's just freaking kicks ass man it's so good it's so like 80s delicious and just like kick ass and I just love it it's super 80s it's very 80s I'm surprised that John Carpenter didn't like score it (laughs) (laughs) are you sure John Carpenter didn't score this film yeah great soundtrack Great soundtrack, and I definitely, I always love those gear-up scenes. And it's so good. It's just like, you know, loading every gun, cocking every gun, checking every gun, you know, like, going through all the, you know, zipping everything up, like, there's just something really satisfying There's something that. really satisfying about it, man. It was like those old, it reminds me of the Punisher, like, back in the day I used to read Punisher, and like, once a year they'd come out with the... With the with the issues that were just guns, it was like the war journals or whatever. Do you remember those? Yes. War journals, yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Punisher war journal. It's like it's totally the war journal equivalent. The gear up scenes, you just get to look at all the guns, and that's why we talked about the throwing stars in Escape from New York. Man, it's one of the the oldest and best tropes in action movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, the throwing stars. <laughs> the throwing stars. Throwing stars. Throwing stars. Because if there's one thing you need to gear up for and look at yourself in the mirror as you walk out the door, it's going to the gravel pit. Going to the gravel pit, man. (laughs) Going to the gravel pit. I do it every time I go to the gravel pit. Absolutely. Patravita. The guy does not even look remotely Italian. Can't stress it enough. Nobody looks like they're in the mob in this movie except for Roca. (laughs) Where have I heard that before, Kev? Uh, you heard it from me in the beginning of the episode, but the episode's so long that you thought it was another episode. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hey, we're going to start like referencing this episode in this episode, thinking that it's already gone past. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that time we talked about Raw Deal? Exactly. It's a, in this episode, everybody dies first, folks. Uh, okay, yeah. So we're heading to the gravel pit. Um, but before we go there... Oh shit, Ben, you're right. You're right about his K car. His K car was, I think his K car was separate than the car they used to chase Lamont's. Right. It was. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's just too, semantics. It's fine. Um, it's not fine. All right, go ahead. So we're heading to the quarry, and uh, this is this is where Chad uh, he shoots the fucking windshield out. Yeah. You motherfuckers, like half an hour ago, I told you my favorite scene, and you just ignored me and talked about the other rest of the movie. Because we weren't there yet, bro. It was, it, it was <laughs> fucking rewinding again. It was, it, I mean, if we're going to take the, the, if we've already taken the time to fucking nitpick every detail in this stupid ass movie, then, you know, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it if we're not going to just keep it going. God damn it, Chad, you can shut the fuck up and wait your turn. That's right. We're not going to be a bunch of quitters now, Chad. Yeah. 
I think that this is fin- it's fantastic that I just spoke about myself in the third person as well. If there was ever a movie episode to do that, it was this one. I agree. Yeah, he just pulls up, stops the car, grabs a freaking gat, and just blasts his windshield. It's fucking hilarious. Awesome. And then spends half an hour trying to kick the windshield out. <laughs> I know. And then it's it's still on the hood when he drives away and doesn't fall off until he goes around a corner and slides off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's it's so great. He does it so he can. It's so great because he does it. Thank you. So he can shoot all of the various minions around the gravel pit, and it's like he, he doesn't really. It doesn't work, which makes it even better. It's so funny. Kid, I love. I love that he's driving and he's one handing a heckler and coke MP5, and just like sniping dudes out of the like you know like yeah just like. And the gun's rattling around the windshield frame. Oh, yeah. The whole fucking time. He's just one hand in it. He's just like, just fucking taking guys out. And with like an endless supply of ammunition. (laughs) And he's not even looking at the road, dude. No. He's in a gravel pit. It's amazing. I love how he shoots guy number one and guy number two. And then nowhere in in the scene does he shoot the third guy. But there's just like a third guy that falls into a rock crusher randomly. You're just kind of like, huh. Wonder how that one happened. Just, yeah, randomly, randomly, there's a dummy and a rock crusher all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's a, yep, uh, that happened. You know, I disagree with that. I actually think that there's something a little bit more sinister going on in that that whole section. Is that I think they're cutting between two guys, quote unquote, but it's the same guy. Like they show the same guy twice, and they try to pass it off like it's two different henchmen. Like I think when they got to this, like when they got to this point in the movie, they were like, "We are out of money. We don't have any more money. You're gonna have to be Joe and Bob." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so they got that guy, and it's like it's two guys. They're like the same guy, and he's like, "Oh, there's somebody coming in on the North Ridge." And the guy's like, no, "I don't see anybody." <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe if it actually is only one guy in the movie. Instead of trying to be two guys because they ran out of budget, it's just Arnold driving around in circles, shooting one dude <laughs> shooting at the top dude. of the thing the whole time. Shooting one guy exactly, and then he falls, and then he falls into the, uh, and he falls into the rock crusher. What's like amazing is like, I mean, the deaths of these guys are just classic eighties like hit. They're shaking, their bodies are shaking all over, and then they just fall. You know, like what? I was so good. Uh, there's there's some terrific like machine gun bullet death dances in this movie. They're terrific. Oh, it's so great. Oh, totally. And then there's the one dude who like they clearly got him off the side of the road because they needed an extra. And they're like, dude, just fall down this hill like you're a six year old boy playing cops and robbers. <laughs> He's like, okay, no worries. Yeah, totally. Oh my and God. like Arnold is like, I mean, the marksmanship of all these people in including Arnold in the gravel pit scene is just astounding. Like there's guys that are shooting at him from so far away and so high up, like on piles of gravel and these various cranes and uh, conveyor belts and so forth. You know, it's like, and then there's Arnold himself driving with one hand, not paying attention. Just like Ben said, one handing it the entire time. It is absolutely ridiculous. And then he goes around the corner and smashes into a payloader. Yeah, exactly. And then the dump truck comes up behind him and smashes the car into the freaking front end loader. But it takes like it takes half a day for those two vehicles to come together too. Right, because they only go like one mile an hour. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not pushing, you're not pushing a Euclid past like 10 or 15 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Oh, uh, man. So great. And then he, and then he like, you know, shoot, wait, kind of, kind of wakes up, jumps out of the car, shoots the guy inside the front end loader. Then he gets underneath the dump truck and like walks the thing over to the, you know, the cheesy little trailer office where the rest of the dudes are hanging out and greases everybody else. Dude, he busts into the trailer and he shoots the smack first. <laughs> oh, I know. I love that, dude. I'm going to go in here and shoot some smack. <laughs> I was really hoping, I was disappointed in that scene because I was really hoping he was going to take that Euclid over and I drive that through the trailer. <laughs> That would have been way more 80s and way more Arnold. It would have been awesome. Yeah, right. it would have been awesome. But I know, totally. Instead, dude. he just hit under it while he was walking. Yeah. I know. Oh, well. Oh, you're right. He does. He shoots the smack first. <laughs> he busts the door open and waves the smack up. <laughs> I love it. And then and then when the dump truck's like coming right at the office, he just pulls out like his one revolver from his belt. Yeah. And he like... Shoots the guy with one shot. Perfect shot. And the guy doesn't even duck or anything. He just sits there and takes it. He does. No, he just keeps driving, dude. He's like, it's my turn to die. I'm going to keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Freaking brilliant, dude. So brilliant. So, uh, anyway, and then what's like our wrap up here? Like, what's the wrap up in the film? So, oh, God, of course. Like, how could I possibly forget? Like, so once you get to the gravel pit and you think the gravel pit is like the best scene ever, and it's pretty damn awesome in terms of, well, pretty much everything mm-hmm. 80sness, 80s tropes, Arnold, guns, whatever. And like the newscaster guy afterward, they're watching it in the bar and he's like, well, no, but authorities aren't sure what exactly happened here. It's like, yeah, dude, Arnold just rolled in and blew everybody away, bro. Bro, Safine. Then he goes into the bar, dude. And it's that, you know, and that's the beginning of another great uh, trope is the, uh, you know, elevator coming down and there's 3,500 guys waiting to blow him away when the elevator door opens. But he's not in there. He's sliding down a vent. Of course, because all vents are built are big enough to handle Arnold and his massive bulk, bra- you know, crawling through them. It's so believable. Come on. Of course it is. <laughs> Duh. That members only jacket was really slippery. Yeah, really slippery. True that. <laughs> oh, dude, my favorite bit is like half of the shots is him just like shooting up the glasses and the bottles of liquor. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right, man. What better thing is there, dude, than watching glass explode, you know? But the the way that they edit it, though, in so many other movies is like, the collateral damage of glasses and bottles exploding while the guy's trying to actually shoot each other. But in this movie, it was like they just paused from shooting each other to start blowing the glasses up for fun, you know, the way it was shot. Yeah, it's kind of like he's shooting like a bunch of glass and then he notices a guy to the right shooting at him. It's like, oh, oh, hey. And he's like, oh, I better duck. I do enjoy how easily both of the main baddies go out in the end. I do too, man. I love when he blows Patrovito away and then he like takes his that huge bowl of what I can't tell if it's like a bunch of Mike and Ike's or like 
just like uh, <laughs> that's what I thought for us. So you need to dip some candy on him. Is it drugs or is it his prescription? <laughs> you know, I can't tell if it's Mike and Ike's drugs or pres- his prescription medication, dude. <laughs> 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 I can't figure it out. Oh my god! So so it's the Flintstone vitamins. Yeah, exactly. It's his Flintstone. It's his, either his Flintstones chewables, his Mike and Ike's, or his uh, like street drugs. Like you know, because it's the '80s, so it'd be like you know, reds and yellows and uppers, uppers and downers, and downers man. man. Yeah, <laughs> ludes, man. Exactly, man. Ludes, bro. And uh, it's either that or it's his prescription medication, which he takes for his blood pressure. He's like, hey, I got to take a lot of pills. I'm an old man. Exactly. I got to say, I got to say, um, Roka's death is probably the most unceremonious for his character. Yeah, totally. Like, Patrovita's death is great. He, like, throws his arms up. He gets hit in the back with the shotgun, like, three times. Like, Roka just, like, kind of, he's, like, running into the office to use the phone to call somebody. <laughs> And Arnold wastes him, and he just kind of like falls all over the desk. It's kind of cheesy. I thought I just I thought he deserved a better death than that. Is all I'm saying. Do you guys remember the Fat Boys movie where they pl- the three f- Fat Boys play <laughs> like poker at the old folks' home with all the drugs and shit? Yeah, disorderlies. Disorderlies. <laughs> disorderlies. Yeah, that's that's what that bowl full of fucking pills reminds me of. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> Oh my god, I love, I love, I love, uh, like you know, the whole scene with Baxter is great. Of course, he uses the same line on him that he did on him before. Resign or be prosecuted. Love it. It's great. And then, and then, <laughs> the, I don't know. Like, I think the best part about the ending scene is that, like, you know, Ed Louder walks in at the end. and He's like, "What the hell happened here?" Hey, call the president, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> hey, I want to go check out a hunch, see if I'm as smart as I think I am. You know, whatever. It's just so dumb, dude. <laughs> and then we get this, like, you know, and again, like this movie, it's like, then we get this, like, uh, it's like a wet night, like it's wet, uh, the airport, there's Catherine Harold on the plane is ready to take off, and she, Joey drives up in the car and she runs out. It's like some old, you know, ancient trope from some ancient movie from the 1930s yeah, or the 1940s. Blanket, yeah, exactly. Right. That's it. Exactly. And like a hundred other movies and he's like, you know, here's the money, baby. Just take it and go. Try to forget about me. <laughs> you know, but of course it's totally not that. <laughs> take the money and get out of town. Go. Yeah, get at the money and get out of town. Go. Go. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been a better scene to end the movie with than the one they did. You mean my scene that I just did? Yes, that would have been a better scene yeah. to end the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just the Nantucketer in me, but he's like, when he tells her to go and charter a plane, I didn't picture it being like a puddle jumper piece of shit Cessna. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> like, where is she going? Like, Detroit? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Leave town, like one town over. <laughs> you only have enough fuel for a 20-minute flight, so. <laughs> We're out of here. Going over to Canada oh, to get some God. French fries and gravy, sir. <laughs> and then, and then it, what, what's what's great about um like this last bit, this whole Casablanca ending, is that like 
she her plane pulls away, right? And then a helicopter lands. So yeah, perfect so Ed, timing. Right, just just right, then, exactly yeah. perfect timing. So yeah, so Ed Louder is in the in the bar, right? Uh, what do we call it? The director's kid's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, he's in the director's kid's bedroom, and he's like, "What the hell, dear?" <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, what cat or uh, you know, Sarge, where are you going?" And he's like, oh, "I'm gonna go see if I'm as smart as I think I am." So you you took a helicopter to go over to talk to Arnold for like two seconds, not to arrest him, no, but to tell him. Yeah, I always figured you were one of us. <laughs> I thought you were a cop. Good job. I always thought you were a cop. Good job. I'm going to go get some coffee. It's like, hey, you're, at least you're a cop because you killed 75 people. Yeah, right. Exactly. So bad, dude. The minute you told me your middle name was Pussy, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I know. Oh my God! This is so funny. The minute you told me your middle name was Pussy, <laughs> I knew you was a cop. Oh my God! And that is really where the movie should have ended. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it really is. Not with the like fucking awakenings, fucking walking scene. <laughs> <laughs> Another trope. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Harry. I know you can do it. <laughs> Just put one foot in put one foot in front of the other. Come on. There you go. <laughs> Did you ever quit in front of Blair? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just... And the nurse is just bawling in the background. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you know what the best part is? Is that Darren McGavin is doing his usual A-plus work in this scene. You know, like, I mean, I'm being totally serious. Like, every scene he does, he's, like, dialing it in, man. You know? Yeah. Like, trying to walk, like, the whole thing. Trying to, like, it's, like, totally authentic. Like, if you took Arnold out of the movie and just took all of Darren McGavin's <laughs> scenes and put him in another movie, like, it's a great movie. Because, like, he's awesome, man. Yeah. It's a chemistry, just the chemistry between them just, like, blows the scene. Like, it just throws everything off so badly. <laughs> but still, I mean, that whole scene was just, I don't, I don't know, again, like... It, extremely extraneous apparently like why why <laughs> Wait, are we talking about the uh the awakening the awakening, awakening scene, scene. <laughs> yeah like what, what is that to, is that to like cement the relationship between uh between kaminsky and harry like at the end of the movie like like oh yeah we didn't really we didn't really explain the relationship very well so let's throw in this little you know touching scene with them at, in the hospital like to you know try and flesh it out I don't, it's just weird they needed a scene to freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking like an episode of Chips. <laughs> Shooter McGavin can walk. And now we reveal the greatest trope of all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the freeze frame. The 80s freeze frame. <laughs> oh, shit. Should we rank this thing? Let's do it. God, yes. Let's rank this. Any final thoughts on this movie? I mean, 
This was uh, a lot of fun. I was really excited to do this film, which I'm sure comes to no surprise to the two of you. <laughs> not not based on the amount that you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get, um, if I may go first. You may. You may. I am giving this movie a, I'm going to give it a solid seven. Okay. Yep. Reason being, it's an Arnold movie. It's got Darren McGavin in it. Uh, it's terrible and great at the same time. The soundtrack kicks fucking ass and it's just so ridiculous. All those things wrapped into a ball just play together and they play against each other and with each other to make something very special. A movie that nobody really saw and nobody really cares about except me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh my god. So that's it. Definitely a solid seven. I was gonna say seven seven and a half, but seven. There you go. Or wait, it's a movie. Do we do do we do numbers on movies? I mean I know Jar He goes in, is it? I love how you can never fucking remember what we do. <laughs> I can never remember and Jar Hego has his own It's my fault because I just do whatever the fuck I want to do every time anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's Ben Ben. Ben gave this movie six Christmas trees, and you're going to give it a number. That's right. He's like got his own like quantum reality going. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till you hear what my rating is. You're going to love it. All right. I'll go next then. I think you should close it out with whatever cockamamie fucking scheme you've got. Yeah. It'll come as no surprise to you that, that uh, this movie does not rank high on my algorithm. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it does not rank on my algorithm. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty close. I actually thought about having <laughs> having this one be not on the bottom of my algorithm, but there's actually like a space below my algorithm and it's below that. But that's not to say I hated the movie. It's just to say it's a fucking terrible movie that is kind of like fun to hate on, you know? But the good news, the good news here, boys, is that this is not the worst movie in my algorithm. This movie is, in fact, better than Thor Thor the Dark World. <laughs> Thor is bad. So Rod Deal ends up with a 3.8 on my, on my algorithm, and um, it's sandwiched between Age of Ultron and Thor the Dark World. Wow. That's better than I would have thought. I, I was thinking that, like, I wasn't even sure if it was going to get an entire integer. <laughs> Yeah, it's just gonna be like, you know, this one. Well, this one gets a that's point kind of six. The thing, though. <laughs> that's kind of the thing, though. Is like three is a meh on my scale, and like I think below a three is like not worth seeing. And I just can't say that that was not worth seeing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. And the only reason that half of these uh, MCU movies are on my fucking list at all is because we did a ranking. They wouldn't have been there otherwise, but. That's true. But it's definitely better than Dark World. That thing was a fucking gleaming turd. <laughs> <laughs> gleaming, gleaming the turd. It's not gleaming the cube. It's gleaming the turd. Gleaming the turd, dude. That's what, that's what the movie about the uh, Razor Scooters should be. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> it should be called Gleaming the Turd. Gleaming the turd. <laughs> oh, my God. That's perfect. Okay, so... So how many Strombolis is this for you? <laughs> so... <laughs> thanks, you just ruined it, fucking dick. 
<laughs> just kidding. It's, it's much, it's much worse than that. Um, I, I knew this was going to, I had a good time, uh, you know, recounting this fucking movie blow by blow with you guys. Uh, I knew it was <laughs> literally minute by minute. I knew it was going to be a fun, a fun one. Um, I had fun watching it. Uh, it's like I said, I wasn't sure whether I'd seen it or not. Now I'm definitely on the not camp, but, uh, over watching it two times this week, it grew a little bit of an appreciation for it. It didn't really resonate with me, but I know like at some point in some state of mind, I might see this movie and it just might catch me that right way where I'm laughing really hard at all the ridiculous shit that's happening in it instead of just sort of like coldly evaluating it. So there's, there's something there, you know, and it's an Arnold movie. I mean, Arnold movies are Arnold movies. They, they have their own special category. And so uh, I believe I have invented my rating system for Arnold movies, and I'm giving this one 2.5 barely smoke crushed out stogies. <laughs> Ooh. I like it. That's out of five. So it's 2.5 out of five barely smoked crushed out stogies. <laughs> That's okay. great, man. I love it, dude. And I love your uh, your rating caliber. For and and henceforth, so. all Arnold films shall be rated via this method. With crushed out stogies. That's, that's, yeah. I like it. Stubbed out stogies. Barely smoked. Freaking love it, dude. <laughs> Stubbed out, crushed stogies. Stubbed out, crushed stogies. Yeah. That's perfect. I want to thank everybody for joining us for this uh, incredible journey that we took this evening. I uh, I was really excited to do a Schwarzenegger film. I know Ben was too. Chad, probably not so much. But uh, I really had fun doing this one. No surprise to anybody here or anybody listening. And it was great. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be talking about The Fifth Element next week. So most definitely tune in for that because that is an excellent, excellent movie. Yeah, it should be fun. And uh, we'll see you on another time. Love you long time. Oh, just something to And that's going to wrap up this week's episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be talking about the uh, excellent movie, The Fifth Element. You can find the show notes for today's episode in your podcast app of choice or at our website, ebd.fm forward slash episodes forward slash 27. You can shoot us questions using the Twitter hashtag AskEBD. You can find me at Wolverine on Twitter. That's M-O-H-L-V-E-R-I-N-E. Chad is at Chad Normal on Twitter, and Ben is at Jarhego on Twitter. That's J-A-R-H-E-E-G-O. I'd like to take a minute and thank everybody so much for tuning into the show. It means so much to me and the boys. If you'd like to support the show, there are two great ways you can do it. First, by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you get your delicious podcast muffins. Or you can tell someone to check out the show. Word of mouth is incredibly powerful. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Oh, wait, I should have done that in the Arnie voice. Do it, do it right now. Do it right now. Latris on the... I can't do it. That's too hard to do. It is hard to do. Latris on the menjay. Latris on the menjay. Chewy punch it. Latris on the menjay. Hello. 
You've reached Arnold's Pizza Shop. I'm not here now. I'm out killing pepperoni. If you want to reach me, if you want a pizza, I don't care, because I'm not here. Can't you realize that, idiot? But if you need a pizza sometime during the next few days, I can have it delivered to you, or maybe I will stable it to you. I don't care what you want on it. Every pizza comes with pepperoni and with 9mm bullets on it. If you don't like it, I don't care because you will receive one anyhow. The only difference is maybe the 9mm bullets will be in a gun or maybe they'll be on your pizza. If you don't fuck around, I'll give you good pizza. If you do fuck around, I'll take a pepperoni and punch it through your head. So, if you want mushroom, shut up. If you want broccoli, what the hell is broccoli anyway? Shut up with the broccoli. If you want something crazy like a pineapple, I'll kill you. If you like pepperoni and bullets, you've come to the right place. If not, you're an idiot, you deserve to die. So, leave the name, number, serial number, how tall you are, whether you're susceptible to any diseases. And if you are, I'll come over, maybe I'll give you a pizza, maybe I'll break off your arm.